Hello, everyone. My name is Peter de Ree, Global Tax Director at PwC in Brussels, and I welcome you to the PwC Tax Byte podcast series. In this series of podcasts, we discuss relevant developments in the international tax world with experts in the field. You can follow this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or via the PwC website. Today, we are going to talk about the developments in the area of tax controversy and tax audits. In a previous edition, we already touched on the development specifically on beneficial ownership, but in this episode, we will take a broader look. And I have with me three very good experts in the field today. First of all, we have Veronique de Brabanter, attorney at PwC Legal and specialized in creative ways to resolve tax disputes and tax litigations. With us also today, Evie Gates, Director Global Tax at PwC, and Evie is engaged in a lot of the recent withholding tax disputes, focusing on beneficial ownership, but also on tax abuse. And of course, also Bram Markey, Transfer Pricing Director at PwC and leader of the PwC Belgium Tax Controversy Practice. Well, um, many groups are confronted with tax audits, clearly in Belgium and abroad. So the purpose of this podcast is to look at some of the recent trends, but not all doom and gloom, as we will share some best practices on what you can do to prevent or resolve disputes as well. And to start on this topic, I have a first question for you, Bram. Yeah, so at the time when, when businesses are recovering from the pandemic, isn't it strange that, especially now, we see an uptick in tax audits and disputes? Well, Peter, it's definitely unpleasant because uh, groups and taxpayers, they are struggling to prioritize already uh, the scarce resources. But actually, it's a trend that, that started uh, before uh, the pandemic, where we did see an increase in audit activity, uh, more scrutiny, new uh, techniques for auditing. So it, it's not new, but it's definitely unpleasant because the last thing that you want to have on your plate when you're already struggling and prioritizing is a lengthy tax investigation uh, and a potential dispute. So um, I'm afraid it's not new, but uh, there are new um, items that, that are really uh, apparent when we see how audits are conducted. And the first one, what I really notice is what I call the viral spread of uh, application of anti-abuse legislation in all sorts and forms. It seems that uh, more often genuine tax efficiency is by definition assimilated with tax abuse um, and genuine business drivers for certain transactions or structures are uh, completely questioned by, by the notion of that tax abuse and the intentional element there. So that's definitely a worrying trend that I see. Uh, and what is uh, coming along with that is a clear focus on collection of, of cash taxes. Um, so that's not surprising in an era where governments are in need of uh, some additional uh, cash to fund the budget because of all of the support measures. But I'm, I'm sure that Evie can give us a few examples on uh, what those those investigations and disputes are about. Yeah, but um, Peter already referred to it in the intro. Um, we see an increase in withholding tax uh, challenges because obviously they in most cases result in an actual tax cash out for the company regardless of the financial situation. Um, so not only cases on um, withholding tax on passive income flows linked to the Danish beneficial ownership cases, but we also see an increase in wage withholding tax challenges, for example, in Belgium, linked to employees in the R&D uh, environment. So there's a clear focus 
on uh, anything to do with withholding tax. We also see that it goes further uh, than the beneficial ownership challenges to date. Um, lack of uh, compliance with formalities to uh, ensure um, the withholding tax exemption is something that's often challenged by the tax authorities as well. And as you refer to, um, if it, that is not the route the authorities take, it's based on a general anti-avoidance that the tax authorities try to challenge the withholding tax um, exemption uh, on certain flows. So why? Obviously, because this has an immediate cash tax effect um, that has an income for the tax authorities. We see that the, the amounts at stake currently uh, in the cases we are facing are significant. Um, and that the tax authorities are trying different angles to make their case. So it's quite clear that this is a topic they are not dropping uh, and that these cases will be taken to court. So it will uh, depend uh, on, on uh, how strong your case is to see what happens in the end. Uh, thanks, Roman Evie. And uh, lots of new topics I see and developments in audit landscape. I think anyone in the audience who is... Uh, day-to-day -day involved in taxation, we rec will recognize that, of course. Um, but Veronique, um, I'm, I'm interested to, to learn from you. Do you see similar trends, developments in, in your area eh, as, a, as a tax lawyer? Uh, yes, uh, I do, uh, Peter. And to begin on what Evie just mentioned uh, regarding cash effects, we see a more effective application of tax increases and uh, of the refusal to waive increases in case of settlements. And this has uh, also very clear reason because as of assessment year 2019, you are no longer entitled to offset any tax assets or carried forward losses against adjustments for which increases are imposed, which result indeed in effective cash out. Uh, however, this new rule is, from my perspective, very disputable on the basis of the principle of legality and foreseeability. So we expect increased disputes uh, in this respect. And uh, as already mentioned by the, the other speakers, uh, we also see a widespread of general and specific anti-abuse rules instead of the standard provisions. So this can be really hard and complex during an audit as the tax authorities try to shift the burden of proof towards the taxpayer who feels then obliged to justify and defend the economic rationale of his whole tax structure far beyond what is really required by law. So this is uh, an, an aspect to keep in mind. And what I also particularly observe is a tendency for more and more international cooperation. So not only exchange of information, but also coordinated multilateral audits, uh, which has repercussions as well on statute of limitations and on investigation periods. So for instance, in view of assessing a transfer pricing model applied by a multinational group, the tax authorities of multiple jurisdictions are teaming up to conduct an audit simultaneously. And the, the conclusions of such audit are then used by the tax inspectors to build their claims on a domestic level. 
whether or not they have been actively participating in the multilateral audit or not. So we see in practice that this often leads to double or multiple taxations. And as a last point, I would like to remark that the COVID pandemic uh, has really boosted remote audits or e-audits with their particular challenges, like, uh, for instance, extensive data requests. And in that respect, we often assist clients to protect the security and authenticity of their data, and we help them to keep control over the provided data. But I suggest we spend some more time on this topic during the ne next podcast, Peter. Yeah, excellent idea, Veronique. That's a great topic for the next podcast. Um, linking into what you said on the on the COVID pandemic, eh, one particular topic that I see coming back when speaking with with different kind of businesses is um, the yeah the permit establishment uh, discussion and and with the the PE threshold changing with the recent OECD MLI uh, developments, um, I'm wondering, do we also expect a change uh, from a permit establishment perspective, uh, specifically in, in, in tax audits? Perhaps Bram, can you shed your light on this? Absolutely, Peter, and uh, we're not expecting it. It's happening already at this very moment. So uh, tax authorities around the world and Europe in particular are becoming uh, very sophisticated um, in, in assessing permanent establishments, so creating additional taxable basis in a certain country where specific sales or other valuable activities are taking place. Um, and HMRC in the UK is a good example for that because they, they typically cross-reference various data points, uh, travel expenses, salary information on employees, LinkedIn profiles describing responsibilities, and what you, you often find out there is that there, there can be a mismatch between what is uh, uh, reported for, for corporate income tax and transfer prices being a routine or low-risk activity. Uh, and, and in a lot of cases, that, that is simply not matching with some of the uh, high-profile individuals that are employed by those entities. So HMRC is really looking actively into that. Uh, I also observed it in Italy and France. In Belgium, we see similar cross-checks based on VAT and social uh, security registrations and really active questionnaires being sent out to foreign entities asking details on the activities uh, in Belgium. And I think uh, the pandemic will be a fu future catalyst for that as well um, because we, we, we see groups really um, um, securing talent where they can find it. And, and I'm sure Evi, uh, you have um, quite some experience already in looking at how you can address that. Yeah, Bram, um, as you said, it's already a hot topic today. We see um, almost on a weekly basis uh, questions coming in from the authorities on, on why filings weren't made or whether the correct um, remuneration was allocated to a Belgian um, presence. It's indeed um, the, the the lowering of the threshold um, for the PE uh, recognition that stems from the BEPS project uh, together with uh, the current reality. Um, so work from anywhere, work from home for many of us. Um, and although there are temporary exceptions to the PE qualification uh, in many OECD countries, um, if it's clear that they're only linked to working from home as a result of COVID restrictions, 
Amendic territories have also made it quite clear that if um, it can be proven that, or if it's it's the case that uh, this situation was already uh, partly taking place before COVID or will continue post COVID, uh, that they will apply these um, lower thresholds for PE recognition um, without uh, any exception. So uh, indeed, where companies are looking uh, into hiring talent more and more in the place where they can find uh, them instead of, of maybe where they are located or headquartered, we will see a, a significant increase of potential permanent establishment uh, challenges. And I think what is the most important message from my side, Bram, in that perspective, Make sure that as the finance and tax team, you connect sufficiently with your HR team. We see that a lot of companies are making um, uh, announcements or writing new policies for their employees, and you want to be involved from the start, because regardless uh, of, of what your business model will look like, this will have an impact. And if you're not there from the start to ensure that uh, the hiring policy is either in line with your business model or you adjust your business business model and recognize uh, the necessary PEs or do the necessary filings, you will be facing uh, the tax authorities in a couple of years. So again, my message there, stay close to what is happening today, to the policies that are being set out post-COVID and make sure that they're either aligned with your business model or that you align with your business model to this new reality okay thanks evie and also bram um yeah it's clear eh? a lot of new topics are on the table and and you already gave some some very useful insights evie and what you can do uh regarding the permit establishment uh, situation I'm, I'm sure the listeners are wondering just like me um is there anything more we can do proactively to prepare for these developments and and bram uh, do you have any views on that something we, we can do to prepare for this there's a lot of stuff you can do, and, and it all starts off with staying on top of things that are changing or happening. There is an avalanche of new legislation, new interpretation over the last years, and basically in-house tax teams need to stay on top of things. And that's why we also developed a mobile solution, uh, which you can access for free. It gives you insights in frequently audited topics, uh, new developments in over uh, 75 countries. So that's a useful resource uh, to, to do a first mapping of, of items which may be of relevance um, to, to, to a business. Um, of course, nobody likes tax uncertainty uh, and nobody likes to be taxed twice uh, on the same amount or, of profit. So um, there is an increase in, in seeking up some certainty with tax authorities unilateral rulings, but definitely also bilateral when it comes to, to transfer pricing or even multilateral. And what is clearly an, an important element to consider is um, designing and reviewing uh, basically the tax processes um, and coming up with a tax control framework for your business uh, to make sure that you are uh, mapping and controlling the risks and eventually ensuring tax compliance. So that's really important from a governance perspective so that you're able to disclose and explain to all relevant stakeholders, not only tax authorities, that you're uh, in control over your tax affairs. And it definitely also helps um, in various discussions or even in disputes to show that as a taxpayer or as a tax manager, you really acted in good faith 
um, and that you can demonstrate all the efforts that you have undertaken to to ensure tax com tax compliance. Um, and last part, I, I would like to emphasize when it comes to preventing uh, disputes is really um, upfront analysis and real-time documentation on transactions uh, and models because really, as we all know, the, the bar has significantly raised on, on that front. Yeah, but I'm, um, I already referred to it. We have uh, some new case law from the European Court. There's a lot of different views on, on abuse and how it should be interpreted out there. Uh, and I think everybody's um, getting to grips with what this means for their uh, current structure. Um, and what we're doing actually, oh, yeah, uh, on a daily basis almost, is looking at the structures um, that a group has to date and seeing whether they are still in line with the current tax legislation, which has changed quite significantly and, and rapidly over the past couple of uh, years, and, and also whether they're ready for the changes to come. We know that there are quite some legislative changes in the pipeline as well. And what we do then is an, an a sustainability check or a stress test of their entire model, making sure that they comply um, with the, the uh, different legislations, but also the different points of view and guidance from the different tax authorities uh, in the jurisdictions they are operating in. Um, we do see that this um, active documentation upfront is it's proven helpful uh, when um, clients are faced with an audit, but even if they're not faced with an audit, I think it gives a client, gives you a certain ease knowing that uh, you are compliant with the rules out there and that you're up to date with everything that changed uh, over the past couple of years. Because um, many in many cases, it's a small change here and there because uh, due to, to changes in legislation, but it's important to take a step back and make sure that your overall structure is compliant. What we're focusing on is definitely um, treaty-related uh, items like the principal purpose test that came into play. Um, can I still um, apply treaty benefits and supporting documentation for that? Uh, and then another one um, where we see more and more appetite due to the uncertain uh, position uh, as a result of the many tax audits ongoing is that clients want at uh, upfront certainty and go for an advanced ruling uh, or APA or or even bilateral or multilateral APA. Um, so we can all also cover items like withholding tax beneficial ownership and the application of anti-abuse provisions. Uh, in those rulings, we have already um, secured some. So that's definitely a route uh, some companies are taking. And then you can even take it, take it a step further and look into um, more, a more sustainable relationship with the tax authorities. But I think that's something uh, you will discuss further with Bram Peter. Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks, Evie. Um, yeah, prevention is the best cure. That's that's for sure. And and if you can avoid having uh, uh, to spend time on an audit, that is time you win uh, to do something else, of course. But sometimes uh, audits happen, and and Veronique. Uh, Perhaps you can share a bit of your insights on when an audit happens, uh, how you can uh, well manage the audit in a constructive manner and in the right context. Anything you, you can share here with the audience? 
Yeah, well, with, with has, what has already been explained here, it uh, must uh, already be clear to the audience that uh, preparation of an audit is uh, key. And uh, this implies uh, that uh, being aware of the fact that cross-checks will be made by of the tax documentation uh, by the tax authorities with information uh, that is gathered from different sources, like, for instance, VAT information, country-by-country country reporting, and information gathered uh, from abroad. Uh, secondly, screening up front on what is out there in the open on your company uh, is important, not only public available data, but also what is on social media or what is in the press. Uh, this gives you a view on what could be the perception of the tax authorities about your company, which could be different than what is presented in your official documentation. Being aware of that perception allows you to explain some things better in the right context during uh, the audit. It is also important uh, during an audit to stick to your story and to your documentation and tax technical reasons that are on the basis of your business model and of your transactions. And don't dwell too much on side discussions on, or on irrelevant remarks of the tax inspectors. Uh, don't forget, first of all, it is up to the tax authorities to prove that your tax position is wrong and that they first need to explain why they believe that your position would not be correct. And to conclude, I would advise uh, the audience to be aware of the investigation powers of the tax authorities as they are often pushing the boundaries. Uh, in that respect, we organize workshops for clients to prepare them uh, for such kind of audits and uh, to develop policies to manage uh, audits. So that, that was it uh, for my side, uh, Peter. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Veronique. And uh, useful insights here indeed when, when an audit happens on how to manage that in, in, in the right manner. Um, Speaking with businesses, I often hear uh, also in, in other countries in Belgium uh, the word cooperative compliance. And, and I'm just wondering if cooperative compliance could be a game changer here and, and really bringing more legal certainty to companies. And, and Bram, you're, you're closely monitoring that. What's, what's your view on this? Well, I'm a firm believer that, that cooperative compliance is the future, both for taxpayers and for governments, because it's really an approach where you step away from a reactive conflict model to uh, a proactive and transparent dialogue between taxpayer um, and tax authorities. And basically, groups already do a lot. Um, they are transparent. They document their positions. So why not share that in an open environment with the tax authorities? Um, and, and ask for um, approval on that, because that basically allows that you can prioritize both tax authorities and taxpayers on those items that really matter and those items that, that pose a greater risk. So there's no point in spending a lot of resources when items can be classified as low risk from a tax perspective. So we, we definitely have good examples, Peter, from, from other countries. There is a pilot in Belgium. I think time is a bit short to go into all of the details now. So let's maybe put that on the agenda for a different time. Yeah, yeah indeed. I think that, that brings us to the end of the, the time we have for this topic and this podcast. Uh, I found it a very interesting discussion with all of you eh, and the new developments in the area of controversy. 
Um, if listeners want to know more about this topic, I would invite you to read more about it on our website or connect with one of the speakers. Eh? You can find their contact details on the podcast website. So feel free to do that if you have particular questions. Um, if you like our podcast, I invite you to register for it. So you automatically will receive the new episodes and you can do that on Apple, Spotify, Google, or the PwC website. And uh, with that, I want to thank the speakers and hope to have you next time in our podcast. Thank you.